Warning. This episode contains heavy spoilers for the game Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice, a game about a shinobi warrior named Wolf, whose loyalty is put to the test. With a large cast of mysterious characters, powerful foes, and ancient conflicts, will our hosts be able to craft all of these things into a compelling movie? Find out on this episode of Game Reel. Hello and welcome to Game Reel. I'm your host, Cassidy Easton, and tonight I am joined by both of my lovely co-hosts, uh, Matthew Brennan Hi. and Annika Gatormson. Hello. Before I get into what we're going to be talking about today, I actually wanted to ask you guys, are you guys watching anything? You watching, watching something? Playing something? What have you been watching lately? I just started You. I'm only on the second oh, episode. but. Damn. <laughs> It's pretty intense, but it's also really good so far. I think it's really well written, so I'm excited to see where the season takes me. But I really like it, and I think Penn Badgley is an amazing actor. Oh, yeah, definitely. Is that the Netflix show about, like, the serial killer? Yeah, it's not a Netflix show, but Netflix picked it up. Oh. But it's really good. Yeah, I... I think it was, like, last semester that I watched season one, and it was, like, the most stressful experience, like... For, like, all of school, like, I had to, like, take a lot of breaks because of, like, how intense it gets, you know? Yeah, it's it's intense already in, like, the second episode. Or I guess I'm on the third episode. Yeah, what about you, Matt? What have you been watching? Um, found this, like, really, like, not really that known movie. I don't know if you guys heard of it. It's called La La Land. And, <laughs> yeah, I don't know why more people don't talk about it because it's, like, it's pretty cool, you know? Kind of an unremarkable release. There's not really any big... <laughs> big events around it's no not really i'm i'm kind of shocked i'm like why isn't anyone talking about this i kind of wish it made it to the oscars (laughs) yeah that would have been nice (laughs) um yeah i watched like half of that yesterday at like three in the morning (laughs) i haven't watched the second half yet but i really liked the first i love that movie Mm -hmm. and like two nights ago uh me and some of our like other uh discord friends watched which is which is like a Jim Henson production of Roy Dahl. Oh. That movie was terrifying. I watched it when I was like really little and it gave me nightmares. Yeah, the special effects are really freaky. I, I like it a lot. It's so disturbing. Yeah. It also has um, Morticia Adams as actress in it, as the lead villain, which is cool. I have not really been watching anything new, but I have been playing a lot of the game that we're about to talk about today. And that game is the latest entry in the From Software series of games. It is Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. This game kind of shook up the whole From Software, you know, formula of, you know, nights and gloomy, beautiful uh, locations and, you know, fantasy elements. 
where you know everything is terrible but it's also very beautifully crafted in like this very western medieval sort of aesthetic Sekiro is very different from that both aesthetically and gameplay wise it is about a shinobi named wolf and you are tasked with guarding this this child called kuro the divine heir and he is immortal he has this what is called dragon blood or the dragon's heritage which keeps him from dying and allows him to bestow immortality on those he wishes you start the game you wake up in this well you have no memory all you know is that you have been bested in combat and that kuro has been taken from you so you go find him and you try to escape with him kuro gives you back your sword and as you're about to make your escape with kuro uh, this uh, this powerful warrior from the ruling clan the ashina clan this this warrior named genishiro ashina the original guy who stole kuro from you finds you and he does battle with you, and he cuts your arm off. Wolf then is down an arm and down his master yet again, uh, and that is when you are taken in by this mysterious old man named the Sculptor, who doesn't give his reasons for helping you, but he gives you a prosthetic arm, which allows you to progress through the rest of the game, attempting to rescue your master, and then eventually rid him of his immortality. And there are many people standing in the way of that, many forces, many creatures. Uh, the game is sprawling and beautiful. And uh, unlike a lot of the games we've talked about, one has a main character that speaks, and two already has a, a set storyline, which I thought would be interesting to explore. Um, before we get into that, though, I want to ask you guys, do you have any favorite characters or bosses or mini bosses? Whatever struck you in your uh, your research about this game? I really like all the monkeys. Mm. Very for them. The guardian ape is was like the first thing that I saw from the game, like way back when it came out. Yeah, just seeing like gameplay stuff, and I was like, this is like the craziest thing I've ever seen. The guardian ape is hands down my favorite boss in the game. It is my favorite boss fight. And aesthetically, I just love him. Also, like, I don't he's not really a character, but the, just, mm-hmm. like, the great serpent, who just, like, kind of, you know, flies yeah. around everywhere, all, like, intimidating, like, it's very fun. Yeah, the great serpent is also really cool. Um, Annika, do you have any uh, favorite characters or bosses or creatures of the world? Yeah, so when I was going through the boss list, the, <laughs> the one that stood out to me the most was the Headless Ape. Oh, yeah. Because it's such a strange concept for a boss. It's actually funny you say that. The the headless ape is actually the guardian ape. Because oh. uh, during the fight, like the guardian ape has a sword in his neck. And during the boss fight, if you uh, beat him, you, you grab onto the sword in his neck and then cut his head off with that. But then he gets back up and he becomes the headless ape. And then you have to fight that. Oh, and you can still, he still fights you. Yes, there is a lot wow. of uh, there's a big theme of creatures that don't die in this game, and he is a creature that does not die. I also do love the design of I I can't tell if what his name is, but it's the one that like has a giant ass neck. <laughs> giant ass neck. Demon of hatred or 
Oh, the demon of hatred. Yeah. Yeah. I think his design is so creepy and great. Yeah, he's awesome. He's actually <laughs> he's actually the boss I'm stuck on right now in this very moment. <laughs> I have not finished the game, but he is the boss that I'm stuck on. And since I'm hosting this episode, I did a lot of research on this game, so I know how mm -hmm. it ends. And I do know you know who the the demon of hatred actually is. My favorite boss slash NPC is actually a lady butterfly. Mm -hmm. um, she is the first major boss you fight in the game, and she is like an like an old friend of the wolf. She I think is one of the first shinobi besides his dad who like knows him and trains with him, um, and she's the first boss you like actual boss you fight and. Um, her boss fight's just super fun. She's like very agile and has a very clear attack pattern and it's really like what gets you into how to play the game and it's just a whole lot of fun. She like has these long knives that she like throws and she does fun illusion things and she's uh she's very great. Also I love that she's just like a super deadly old woman. I think that's pretty powerful. Also I should clarify cuz the one oh. with the long neck is the Divine Dragon. I read his name oh. on the website. Yeah. The Divine Dragon. Yeah, he is awesome. Yeah, no, I, I love the Divine Dragon. I, I uh, was honestly sad that I had to fight it in-game. <laughs> like, you're beautiful, but you have to die. <laughs> Sorry. So, I think we might have addressed... I think I'm the only person here who is played this game but that said do you guys have story ideas that you would like to pitch i'm not sure if like it's not like a super like straightforward concrete idea but mm -hmm. like from what i gathered i find i feel like with like other games that we've gone over like it's a lot more open-ended since there aren't much like direct narrative plots and like that's yeah. given us room to play around a lot i really like the story that's already here and i feel mm -hmm. like there's a lot of themes to work around yeah. that we can, like, take story elements and, like, try to figure out how, like, workshop it into a movie structure. Yeah, so I was just thinking of, you know, just, like, following Sekiro and uh, Kuro's story. Mm -hmm. Anika, what about you? I definitely agree with Matt that this is one of the, like, only games that we've talked about that actually does have, like, a very definitive story. And mm -hmm. I really wouldn't want to do anything that would kind of go back on that story or change it in any way but i do think it could be interesting to create some kind of a prequel that maybe sets up uh what's been happening in the world so far or maybe gives yeah. some kind of context to you know this immortal child like who is he how does he get his power mm -hmm. and kind of explains how the world has gotten to the way that it has yeah and that way i feel like it wouldn't be something that goes back or changes like the original story at all yeah actually funnily enough that that idea and matt's idea kind of are a mix of what my pitch kind of is oh so what is your pitch so there's a character in this game called the sculptor and he's like kind of the hub world guy who you go back to to upgrade your like prosthetic and sometimes if you give him sake he will tell you about himself Mm -hmm. And he has this whole narrative behind himself that kind of predates, you know, the political climate of this uh, that this game takes place in. I kind of had the idea of like having his story be the focus of 
the movie. Oh. Because yeah. he he used to be what the his whole story is he used to be a shinobi that wasn't trained by a master. It was just him and one of his friends who lived in the mountains and they trained in the mountains like monkeys. They like learned watching monkeys and then started moving like monkeys and became like super powerful shinobis, but then his friend died and he uh became consumed with revenge and bloodlust before eventually uh, losing his arm and then retiring to the uh, dilapidated manor where he spent the rest of his life sculpting wooden Buddhas. But all the Buddhas that he sculpted had wrathful faces instead of serene, and he has like visions of endless fire that haunt him. So I thought maybe he would be an interesting a main character. I definitely agree with that. Yeah, me too. I think... Like a print from like what I gathered, like a pretty huge theme of the game is like loyalty. So I and I think yeah. that definitely goes into it. So we could probably like explore a lot of stuff that go into the main plot in that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think he would be a great main character to kind of focus the story on. He is in the game, so people who are fans of the game will be like, "Oh, I know him." But then he also will would help to kind of explain the lore and like how how things have happened. Is his backstory involved with the ruling family's name that, like, that the kid's a part of? No. Actually, I don't think the kid is part of that clan. I think he's just been stolen by them because he has divine... Yeah, he's got the divine dragon's blood inside him. Where do you meet the sculptor in the game? So right after Wolf gets his arm cut off, Yeah, he's, like, the first person you meet. So he's, he's pretty central to the game for a very long time. But then... He does eventually, like, disappear. Where does he go? <laughs> well, if you look at the Demon of Hatred, you'll notice that one of its arms is a big firearm. Mm-hmm. And it is said that it is inferred in the um, the wiki that uh, he turns into the Demon of Hatred. Because once the Demon of Hatred shows up in your game and you go back to the dilapidated temple, he's no longer there. There's just a his wood carving tools are just sitting there. Oh. He's gone. Yeah, and then the demon is there, and the demon is missing an arm, and in its place is like a giant red fiery arm. So he's just your buddy who just got way too mad while you were gone. <laughs> <laughs> Kinda. He was like waiting for you to bring him sake, and you just didn't come through. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. If we wanted to focus on him, like. It's up to us whether, I mean, it's a sad ending for him either way because he loses his friend and then his arm. And if we end it there, that's like kind of where Sekiro Shadows Die Twice begins. Mm-hmm. I imagine this movie is like sort of the prequel in between sequels of like a Sekiro trilogy. Yeah. Film, mm-hmm. film franchise, yeah. So you're imagining like the first movie is what? I'm imagining it's. Sekiro and like his old dealio with uh, what was the guy's name? Genichiro? Gen- yep, Genichiro. Yeah, so his whole deal, and you've got the sculptor stuff like in the background, and you don't really see that for now. Mm-hmm. Then in between the sequel, which focuses on the. You come, is it the Spirit of Wrath, right? Uh, like the, demon of, the Demon of Hatred? The Demon of Hatred. Yeah, that one. My bad. So that would be that would be like the main villain in the second movie. But in between that, you'd get the prequel movie in which you learn about the sculptor, so that you're more mm. invested in 
that's the sequel. I like that. I mean, you could make the this whole game into three distinct movies, like the first one, like you said, culminating in the fight with Genishiro, and then the second one could be like Sekiro's journey into finding all of the ingredients he needs to sever his Kuro's immortality, and then the third is his fight with Sculptor Demon and the rest of the bosses that I haven't gotten to. Right. So Kuro is the one who's immortal to yes. die. He wants, yeah, he doesn't really ever say die, but he says he wants to have his immortality immortality severed. Mm-hmm. You have to find a special sword and some special ingredients to perform a ritual that will sever his immortality. Right. Oh, so he can go on to live a normal life. Kinda. It's more like so people will stop fighting over him because <laughs> his, his power kind of yeah. corrupts people into acting insane. Right. And isn't there, like, an actual, like, sickness that comes from people, like, using the yeah. dragon blood or whatever? Yeah, it's called dragon rot. Yeah. Whoa. People get it from uh, from when you die too much in the game. <laughs> so, is he an actual child, or is he just, like, an immortal being that's been a child for a while? I think he's been a child for a while. Because he that acts sucks. very wise. And so, when they're talking about the dragon's blood, is he, like like a cow they're just like milking for blood to like become immortal like i couldn't tell how they like siphoned it or whatever you know uh i think he has to give it because there yeah because genishiro keeps like there are lots of flashbacks and scenes of like genishiro asking him and being like hey you need to bestow lord ishin with the dragon's blood and you need to bestow me with the dragon's blood and the kid keeps saying no i'm not gonna do it so I think he needs to give it because he does give it to Sekiro. Okay, because like when I kept reading about him, I just like imagined that he has like a little faucet attached to his belly button or something, <laughs> and like all these guys are coming with like little Dixie cups, like for like a little bit, like a shot of immortality, you know. But I guess the the takeaway is it's not something that can be stolen or forced from him. So I guess I'm wondering now, like who we're leaning like we're leaning towards in terms of making someone the protagonist of our of our movie do you think i mean you would know better than me cassidy because i haven't played it do you think that Mm -hmm. these would be things that we could intertwine into one movie or do you think that would be trying to accomplish too much um i think the game itself is too long to be one movie but it could be three like three films that maybe covered three distinct people's backstories. What I mean is like the the content of the game could be enough to write three movies out of. Oh, okay. I yeah. Yeah. Cuz there's kind of three distinct narrative arcs. Like like Matt pointed out there there is the one where you're trying to just get to Kuro and you're trying to save him from Genishiro. And uh, then then after that it's like the second arc is you are trying to find all of the things you need to sever his immortality. And then after that, it's um, trying to get him back. Because I think, I think Genishiro kidnaps him again. <laughs> I feel like for the purposes of our podcast, like because like the story elements are already there, yeah, we'd just be like kind of workshopping how to whittle it down. And I think it'd be more interesting yeah. if we were to pursue the sculptor's backstory try to create something a little bit more new mm-hmm. 
perhaps even a, a prequel to, you know, get people in the mood for yeah. the Sekiro trilogy. Right. We're making our Hobbit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of. Except yeah, we're only oh, making we're only making the first one because the yeah, first one was good. Yeah. Um, I actually had a kind of a um, a, a, a actor in mind to play the sculptor. Okay. Who? Ken Watanabe. Yeah, although it might be hard. I don't. How old is Ken Watanabe? Because it might be hard if uh, he has to play his younger self. He's sixty. He's 60. Oh, my God. Okay. He, he yeah. might only be able to play the old sculptor. In no. Like the Sekiro trilogy. No. If we are, <laughs> if we are in fact, focusing on uh, the sculptor, I think we should maybe do someone younger. We can just pull a Scorsese and CGI his face. <laughs> yeah, totally. This movie, I think, should be very uh, action-oriented. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, I think a big selling point about this movie, though... There is very fantastical elements, and I think that is important. I do think that it is it lends itself to being like also a very very uh, incredible feat of like martial arts and stuff. I agree. I do so, think like, it would need that. Yeah, actual yeah. martial artists to like you know do the action sequences. Right. Well, Ken Watanabe has a son, so. Oh really? Oh shit! Does does that son act? Yep. All right, we got it. What what's All his right. name? Uh, Dai Watanabe. Dai so. Watanabe. Yeah, so Dai Watanabe is young sculptor, and then Ken can play him in the, uh, in the later trilogy. Yeah, dude, nepotism. It's great. <laughs> I feel like once he sees our script, there's gonna be no way that he could possibly turn it down. Oh yeah, totally. Oh, Just absolutely. Beyond impressed. Mm-hmm. And we are like making scripts for all of these things that we've been talking about on the podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. A hundred percent. They're all written. We just haven't put them out. We yet. just need to actually write them down. No, they're written. <laughs> we just need they're to actually the... write them down. <laughs> they're in the archives, in our minds. It's cool. Oh, my God. Yo, okay. I actually, I know we were maybe joking a little bit of having Dai Watanabe be the main character, but I do really think he would make a good... A uh, young sculptor. All right. Well, it's happening. I want to know agent. I guess it's time to get into this story if we're all in agreement. Yeah. Yeah, I think we should. What do you guys think should be like the driving theme of this movie? Because I think the most powerful part about Sekiro as a story is that as it very much has a a driving theme, like. For for Sekiro, it is the cost of loyalty, and mm-hmm. you know how power corrupts. So, what do you think should be the sort of thesis statement behind uh, the the movie about the sculptor? Well, so the sculptor's whole thing is that he's like self-taught, and he eventually got to a point where he could like tussle with like the higher ups, right? Mm-hmm. Or am I like misunderstanding? Does yeah. he ever? Does he ever like take control of that and like is put in a position of actual authority? Like, is he involved in the politics at all? Uh, it doesn't go into what his full story was. the The main story beats on him is that he was once a powerful shinobi, went by the name of Orangutan, and spent his life like most of his time training amongst the monkeys of the sunken valley. 
Um, but then he eventually loses his friend that he was training with, and he succumbs to his own bloodlust. And then he is hunted down by Lord Ishinishina, and then uh, he loses his arm in a battle. So I think it's kind of up to us how he gets involved with the uh, Ishina Rebellion. Well, I think an easy like through line would be to have his friend be a part of the Ishina clan. Ooh, I like that because the I think the Ishina clan does not start off being in power. Right. Because the game starts out with like a cinematic of like this horrible bloody war that happens between the Ashina clan and the ruling clan at the time. Mm-hmm. So then this would be right before that war pops off. Or even during it. Like maybe maybe the sculptor and their friend who is like a part of the Ashina clan, they kind of go off on their own, decide to live in the sunken valley. And then during their time training as Shinobi, they the like rebellion happens and then the Ashina clan is suddenly in power and so Lord Ishin is like looking for this person because they're like important but once they find out about where they're at they find out that they're dead and so maybe Ishin Ashina thinks that the sculptor killed this person that makes sense yeah I think that because of like the whole themes of like the cost of loyalty I think it would make sense to have the friend have like a moral struggle between choosing between his family and like this more like freeing lifestyle with the sculptor mm-hmm. like maybe he even like has to go back and he tries to convince the sculptor to come with them would the sculptor is the sculptor someone that the audience like we want to convince the audience to not emphasize with them because he sounds like some like obviously he later turns into a demon but even in his backstory, from what I can read, he sounds like a pretty like selfish character. Maybe that's kind of what drives the sculptor's narrative, is that they are a, a selfish character. Mm-hmm. And that maybe we're not, we're supposed to, uh, maybe we're supposed to empathize with the friend. Yeah, I think I like that. The friend does die, and I'll, I'll tell you guys this. It is revealed in the game that the friend was eaten by the guardian ape. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah, wow. well cuz when you when you beat the guardian ape, you get this item called the the bony finger. Oh. Which comes out of the 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 ape's stomach and you can use it as like a whistle for enraging beasts. Does that mean that the sword is the friend's sword? Which the sword? one that's like, the sword that's stuck in the guardian ape. It could be. <laughs> or maybe it's maybe it's the sculptor's sword. Oh, okay. And since the sculptor didn't know that the ape was cursed with immortality, that uh, maybe he, you know, killed it, quote unquote, and then, you know, stepped away from it. Yeah. You know, the camera reveals there's like a twitch to the hand and it's still alive. I like the idea of the friend dying, not because the ape like sought him out and killed him or that the friend sought out the ape and got killed by it. Mm Mm-hmm. But kind of like the idea that the sculptor's selfish actions kind of led to the death of his friend. Yeah. So if the the friend wants to go back to the Ashina clan, yeah? Yeah, I think that's that's what we agreed on. The Ashina clan the Ashina clan is like the villain of the story though, right? In the game. Uh kind of, yeah. Okay. 
So the his friend is going back to rejoin them or to fight against them. Um. Well, it's not like the the whole clan is like a villain. It's kind of like it's it's a it's a feud. It's like feudal Japan. Yeah. So it's like the ruling family now. Yeah. Um. So I think. I think, like at a certain point in their story, uh, I think the Ishina clan gains power. And the friend is called back. And I think the friend should be like wanting to go back to their family and wanting to take the sculptor with them because the sculptor is their friend. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think what I was trying to ask, though, is is the friend a part of the Ashina clan or are they part of a group that's fighting against the clan? Ooh, actually, that's a great point. I don't know. I don't see it written anywhere in the lore, so I don't. I think I don't think there's anything it. written about yeah I don't think about there's the anything friend. written about the friend yeah so yeah. we could we could what do you guys think is more narratively interesting because I do like the idea of like the friend wanting to fight against yeah. the Ashina clan because I think that's a little more compelling than um, than them being called back home I agree I think it is it is more compelling I agree yeah and it would really highlight like the sculptor's selfishness if this is something that he didn't want to do yeah although this is just something i might i want to throw out i've been kind of picturing like this the friend being uh much more peaceful and maybe even what's the word a pacifist although that might not that might not track with them both being shinobi as well mm-hmm. but he could be more honorable though yeah, I yeah. was thinking like yeah. maybe the friend doesn't doesn't really seek violence out, so maybe they don't want to fight the Ashina clan, but then maybe they do want to go back to Ooh, wait a minute. What if the the friend was like a member of the ruling clan before the Ashina clan took over? Yes, I totally. I think and, that works 100%. And so when they get news that the Ashina clan has taken over, they they think, "Oh shit, one of my relatives is still there." They might be dead or taken prisoner. I've got to go back and save them. And then the sculptor's like, no, come on, man. We we left society. We we have a, a free life in the mountains. Ooh, what if the sculptor prevents the information from reaching? Oh, from reaching friend? his friend? Yeah. Like, what if the friend had, like, what if the sculptor knows that the friend has a beloved relative in the now Ashina clan? And the sculptor intercepts some kind of message to him that says, please help us. We've been taken prisoner by the Ashina or like your relatives have been taken hostage return and, you know, we'll set them free or something like that. But the sculptor takes that information for themselves. Yeah, I think, I think that works and I don't know how we're going to get there, but I think that should eventually lead to, friend getting killed by the guardian ape Absolutely. and out of guilt then the sculptor like himself seeks vengeance on the ashina clan yeah for his dead friend to like try to clear his conscience well the order goes ape first clan second but yes yeah mm-hmm. yeah i like that i do like that i know we've all i know we're all thinking it so i'm gonna throw it out there <laughs> gay love yes <laughs> i'm thinking i'm thinking this friendship is a little more than just friendship, and maybe this is why they went into the mountain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that works. All right. 
I just wanted to bring it up because there's been gay love in almost every single story we've written, besides Kirby and Monster Hunter. Yeah, I mean, like, there might be a romantic connection between the sculptor and uh, the friend. I think that could definitely add to the reason that the sculptor doesn't want him to leave. Yeah, and then yeah. it definitely adds to, the, like, the grief and the anger yeah. when the friend is eventually killed. I had a sort of an idea of how the friend gets killed by the guardian ape. Mm-hmm. It might be, it, it might require a little too much lore. I don't know. You guys let me know if you think this works, but mm-hmm. the, the guardian ape is, is guarding a very important flower that blooms in this like valley or not valley. It blooms in like this cave mm-hmm. and the guard, the guardian ape guards that flower. And I was thinking, like, maybe since the Ashina clan takes over, they start driving, like, the monkeys and the apes out of the sunken valley in order to try and find this flower because they think it might reward them with eternal life. And so maybe the guardian ape is driven out of the valley with, like, fireworks and gunpowder. And it's driven to where uh, the sculptor and the friend are. And the friend gets killed by the ape. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. It, it might be a little bit much, but I, it was just kind of my first thought. I, I could see why you'd think that, but at the same time, like, it gives purpose to why the sculptor would be angry with the Ashina clan. Yeah. And I think that's, like, something that we definitely need to establish. Yeah, I was trying to tie the Ashina clan to the ape. Yeah. And I think, because, like, it's one of the mechanics of the game, too, is, like, you have a shinobi tool called like the firecrackers and the firecrackers are like really good at stunning people but they work especially well on animals mm-hmm. so like maybe that's how they drive the ape out well in their pursuit for the flower i think that works really well yeah yeah i think that gives like a really good reason for the guardian ape to be so angry at the time yeah cuz i think normally i think normally they they know about the guardian ape Maybe they even like encounter it before, and but they know like it doesn't attack anybody who, you know, doesn't enter its uh, its den. Mm-hmm. So then, do you want to start figuring out how we're gonna like structure everything? Yeah, that's what I was trying to get at. It's like start oh, figuring uh, out the plot a little bit more. Yeah. So what we have so far is we had the sculptor and the friend. Should we give the friend a name? We should give the friend. A name. Yeah. Because the sculptor's the sculptor's real name is Bushi of Aradera, which I'm probably saying that wrong. But then he eventually is called uh, Sekijo, which is sort of a it's a truncation of one-armed orangutan. So he eventually earns the name Sekijo by being the one-armed orangutan. We have Bushi and the friend. Actually, what 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 do you think drives them to move to the mountains? Is it their love for each other? I kind of imagine. Like a whole scene where the sculptor goes into a town to meet him. Uh huh. And the sculptor is like, maybe he's like a better fighter than him from learning from these monkeys. And this guy wants to learn, like, how did you fight like this? Like, can you show me that? And he's like, I'd have to show you by bringing you to the mountains so you can study with me. And then uh-huh. they like grow closer that way. I like that. I think that establishes their, their like partnership well. I also think it has to be tied somehow. Like, to them, leaving has to be tied to the Ashina clan because 
the reason he then gets his arm cut off is because someone in the clan hunts him down. I thought that we were doing that the friend was like in the ruling class before oh that's right took over. oh so then i think maybe they should be hunting him because he's been slaughtering their their men the friend is a part of the ashina clan or neither of them are a part of the clan neither of them the okay. friend was once he was he was tied to the original clan that was there oh okay yeah do they have a name the clan that was before the ashina clan I don't think it says. It says Warlord Ishin staged a coup and seized control of the land of Ashina. Hmm. Okay, so the clan of Preshina. <laughs> so the friend is a Preshina. Yes. Can we even like a like a placeholder name for now, where we figure out something that sounds more official? Make something around like Toby or something like that. <laughs> Toby. Yeah, Toby. The classic. Japanese name Toby. Exactly. Also, uh, side note, not like a huge plot thing, but I would like for the friend slash lover to uh-huh. be the one to introduce him to Buddhism, to the sculptor. Oh, yeah. Oh. Th- that can be part of how like they learn from each other. Yeah. Like maybe they're like, maybe they're mat- like complete matches. The Prishina friend. <laughs> he, he uh, let's call him Prishina. <laughs> okay, pre pre Sheena, he's like trained in Buddhist like fighting. Like yeah. there there's a there's this technique in the game called like senpu monk fighting, I think. And he's trained in that style of fighting, but the sculptor is self-taught and so they like for some reason they end up sparring and it's very erotic. <laughs> <laughs> but they're like complete matches and they're both like, "Wow, where did you learn that?" And they're like, well, I can teach you if you want. Um, yeah. But they're like, not here. But let's let's go train in them. Or, or rather, the sculptor's like, well, I can't teach you here because this is not where I learned. Right. So come with me. And then they both train in the mountains. So like the sculptor would be like like raw, wild talents. And yeah. Sheena would be like very disciplined. Yeah. And they like can learn from each other in that way. Yeah, and then they, they marry the two techniques when they're in the mountains. But they don't get to marry each other because of tragedy. <laughs> exactly. So sad. But I do, I think, like, I love that idea, but I think we could add another layer to them wanting to leave. Mm-hmm. And I think it has to to do with, like, something about someone in the Ashina clan, probably Ishin Ashina, is, like, on the hunt for this, our pre-Shina guy i ooh, i do like that the idea of them just wanting to go out and learn from each other is yeah like really good but i think to add more tension to the story they have to be running from something right yeah it seems maybe maybe i mean the the first thing that occurs to me is like maybe they are very much lovers but Mm-hmm. They want to be able to express themselves, you know, freely. And the only place they can do that is, you know, in the mountains. That's my first thought. And I don't know if that's as, I don't know if that's, you know, um, as compelling as maybe something else. I think, I think maybe what could help is that, so like, at this point, the Prishinas are like still like within power, right? Yeah. 
and maybe the war is already commencing and like yeah. they're losing land to the machinists mm-hmm. and so maybe the town that they meet in is like right about to be like taken over by the machinists and that's like their incentive to get the fuck out of there yeah and so the pre-sheena guy's like well i don't really know where to go so the sculptor's like i can take you here and we could like train each other hmm i i like that but i also kind of don't want it to be like a rescue thing i think it should be more like i think pre-sheena should leave of his own will you know he should want to leave not because he has to but because he wants to and i think maybe there should be something that it like draft dodging (laughs) (laughs) something like that like maybe maybe his family is expecting him to go fight against the ashina clan but he's like i don't want to do that i like the idea of draft dodging my only concern with that would be that it would turn him into someone who's like someone that the audience doesn't want to root for Mm, you're right you're right he has to be relatable I don't know if he has to necessarily be relatable, but I think or, on a certain yeah. level he should maybe be heroic. Maybe he could draft Dodge in the beginning, but I think at a certain point he's going to feel this call to go back. Ooh, yeah. Me- oh, okay. So yeah, he draft dodged at first, but then mm-hmm. as they like live in the mountains for long enough and like they learn and become wiser, you know, just by like meditating and <laughs> living like off of nature. Maybe the maybe the 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 Prishina is like, I you know I've been thinking about it and I've been thinking about my family and how I sort of left things and I I don't know something about something in me wants to like return to them and see how they're doing. And while he says this, like the sculptor has already kind of intercepted several messages saying, "We have your family, come back and you you may see them one more time." Maybe to, so like to just like keep his heroism. Maybe he from the beginning he's been set out like on a quest from his family to become stronger. Ooh, yeah. So that way, like his reason for leaving doesn't conflict with him like being a family man. Oh, oh, yeah. What if he doesn't leave and finds like what if they don't meet like in town and like they leave together? What if he like meets the sculptor while the sculptor is living in the mountains? And he's traveling the world. I feel like we might need some kind of town scene to establish, like, the political struggle between the Prishinas and the Ashinas, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think maybe maybe we could set it up like the Prishina is the main character, and we start off following them. And we follow them, like, you know, in their journey of, like, you know, becoming stronger and becoming, like, a, a better warrior... And like traveling the world to like you know gain knowledge, and eventually in his travels, early on we meet the sculptor, and then the sculptor kind of you know convinces them into staying with him. And that could also add to like the selfishness of the sculptor because he also kind of halted this world journey that the guy was going to take. What is the first scene that we're starting this journey off with? Like the first page of our screenplay. Like where are we starting? I think it would have to be something that kind of explains the political climate. Mm-hmm. I think maybe it's like, like this young young Prishina. He is eighteen, not quite 
involved in the politics yet, but maybe he's like at home and he's witnessing like some kind of heated discussions between officials and like his family and how like the Ashina clan is, you know, acting up and are they're pushing into their lands. That kind of sets the stage a little bit for like the political climate, but it doesn't really immerse us in it just yet. Mm-hmm. I think it, like maybe it could be very secretive. And so they don't tell him everything, but he knows something is wrong. And they say, hey, listen, we want you to go travel the world and go train with these people and become uh, a better warrior and you can come back to us. And maybe that's his goal is to go and become a really great warrior so he can come back and, you know, defend his land. I like that. Yeah. I like the idea of him like going to somewhere specific too before being intercepted by the sculptor and choosing. Yeah, to. I think that's fun. I think that's, yeah, sorry, I think that's really good because it gives him, like, a very strong motivation. What were you saying, Matt? Yeah. Uh, I was just going to say, the more we say Prashina out loud, the more it sounds real. (laughs) (laughs) It is real. It's real in our hearts. What are some, what are some, all right, I'm going to look up, I want, I want to call this guy something else besides Prashina. What, what are some, this game is very much based off of, like, old, like, Chunbara, uh, fighting sword fighting movies so i'm gonna look for a a character from one of those movies you could you guys can continue <laughs> without me i'm i'm just okay. looking for looking through akira kurosawa's movies because he is kind of who inspired the this genre oh i i think maybe while this is all happening to our unnamed uh pre ashina clan pre Sheena guy uh, we should get some cutscenes with the sculptor who's like training, training with the monkeys in the, in the forest, just to establish kind of that he's there and that he, mm. yeah, is also going to be a main character. Just show him like Tarzaning it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Living with the monkeys, you know, free hippie lifestyle, very bohemian. <laughs> Maybe. So his perspective would be like him in nature and stuff, and maybe we can start to see the Ashina clan like marching through or something, and like seeing their like movements through the forest. Oh, that's great! And he's Just kind like, of like pe- peering down at them, but not interfering. Yeah, yeah. So like he knows something's up, but like that's not my business, you know. Have we kind of given a motivation to why he's decided to live in the woods? He just wants to. I think he maybe yeah maybe he's just like it's a very freeing lifestyle of just living in the in the mountains and drinking monkey wine and doing whatever he he wishes. Also, what wh- how do we feel about the name Sanjuro? I'm cool with that. Yeah, that's the one. I'm cool it's, with it. It's uh, based off of the act the movie Sanjuro by Kurosawa. Or we could just call him Akira. That's also what we could call him if we wanted to really pay homage to Kurosawa. <laughs> No, I like Sanjiro. So Sanjiro and Bushi. Those are the two main characters. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So Bushi's motivation is he's just, he, he, what, what was it? What is it? Well, I would imagine maybe he's just, like, some low-born guy who, like, doesn't want to fuck with, like, the feudalism and all that. Yeah. Just, like, wants to live free mm-hmm. with the monkeys. Having bananas, getting drunk. Yeah, and maybe he's, like, a natural for, like, martial arts and fighting and Stuff. And that's why he's able to live amongst these monkeys so well. And I, because I think there has to be something that draws Senjuro in. Yeah. 
maybe he is like a natural thief. And so he sees the, uh, the oh. Sheena, like, going through, like, and he, like, will, like, pickpocket off of them as they go by. Yeah. And then when Sanjuro comes by, like, he tries to do the same, but he's not, like, cut like the, he's, like, he's, like, from a different cloth. So yeah. he sees that, and that's where the confrontation comes. That's their first erotic sparring. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we have, we have Sanjuro, who is off to become a better warrior in order to fight for his family. Mm-hmm. So that he can defend from the Ashina clan. And we've got Bushi, who I think develops a attraction to Sanjuro after they spar for the first time. And they're both like, neither of them have outmatched each other. They're both very like, e- they're equals very much in, in a way. But they also have ways they can learn from each other. So I guess the middle part of the movie would be a lot of them teaching each other... About their different fighting styles. And I guess um, amongst this, um, Bushi is kind of receiving messages about Sindro's family and choosing not to give it to him. Yeah, I think there should be a time skip. Because... Oh, okay. They should, well, yeah, because I think they should start like relatively young, like 18, 20s. They're either, they're either freshly 18 or they're both in like their early, early 20s. And then a few years go by where they're training in the mountains. And they're both like fully fledged shinobi warriors, and Sanjuro's like thinking like, "Hey, you know, maybe it's time I went back. I think I'm maybe a good enough warrior." And then Bushi is like trying to convince him like, "No, no, no! There's so much more we can do." And all the while, Bushi has been like intercepting letters to Sanjuro in order to keep him there in their woodland getaway home. Yeah. <laughs> So, in this time skip, have they just, like, only been in the forest this entire time? Well, they've been in the mountains. They've been in the mountains. Yeah, it's like the, 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 it's the sunken valley, which is, like, these basically sheer cliff sides and, like, branching trees that grow off of them that the monkeys, like, swing to and from. And so it's, very, it's a lot of, like, tall cliffs and, like, fatal falls. And the way they, the way they learned is... They just trained there and jumped around and kicked and fought in a, in a place where if you messed up once, you you died. And that's why they're so good. So then maybe here is where we have another, like, cutscene or cutaway to the Ashina clan deciding mm. to get rid of get rid of part of the valley, I guess. And from here, like, kind of bringing in your idea from earlier, maybe this is where they try and force... I forget his name. Like the guardian ape and kind of his his monkeys out of the valley. And that's why they get forced like into the yeah. area where our protagonists are. Yeah. And maybe we can even see like the beginning of the uh, like the invasion. Yeah. So like like when the time skip happens, we see the time skip. They're better shinobis or whatever. But at the very beginning of like this new time period we're in, we see like... The Ashina clan is now fully invading the kingdom and is trying to take it back. And we see like Sanjuro's family being attacked by these uh, these people, and they're um, they like set, try to send out a message to try and get Sanjuro to come back and help them. And then we we have like more and more of these like scenes with the Ashina where then they like they're discussing the flower and trying to find it and they're like where's the flower is like oh it's in the sunken valley and they're like all right send everybody to the sunken valley and 
spring fireworks. I think that's really good. And then so I don't think we should jump into Sandro getting killed like quite yet. No. So maybe there's like a scene where Sandro and and the sculptor kind of go and maybe spy on the Ashina or attempt to stop them in some way. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they happen across them. Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe maybe there's a scene where uh they're like, you know, you know, just jumping through the mountains and then they come across like a an Ashina like warband. And the Ashina like attack them and then they, you know, the, the Bushi and Sanjuro are like forced to kill them. And then when they like Bushi sees like that they are the Ashina and he like looks at all their stuff, he's like, Holy shit, the war is starting. Maybe during this, like after they kill the Ashina, they find like a letter that they intercepted that was intended for Sanjuro. Yeah. To like further inform him too. Ooh, yeah, and then well wait, but hmm. I kind of want Sanjuro to find out that Bushi has been intercepting messages as well. Yeah, I agree. I mean that could be in the that could be in the letter that they find that was in the um like the Ashani camp. It could say like, Oh, this is our like fiftieth letter to you and you haven't gotten back oh. to me. It's like, Oh, I never saw these letters and then questions Bushi, like, how is it how's it possible that they sent this many letters and I never Mm-hmm. Saw. And then when oh. they get back home, he finds the letters. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Like Bushi plays dumb. He's like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they can't find us up here. Maybe Bushi has been going to the temple that Sandro was supposed to be at and t- stealing the letters. <gasps> Ooh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Actually, that's that's a that's a great point. Um. So yeah, because like the letters are, he sees that the letters are addressed to the temple he was supposed to go to, and he's like, oh shit, I never told my family that I didn't go there. And so then he goes to the temple and he looks in the temple and he like doesn't find any letters. Mm-hmm. And then maybe one of the temple people is like, some guy has been coming in here and stealing them. We or he he says like a monkey has been coming in and stealing them because they mistake Bushi for a monkey because he moves like one. Mm-hmm. And then that that that's what tips Sanjuro off. Right. He's like, monkeys don't steal letters. <laughs> What a quote. Yeah. (laughs) Monkeys don't steal letters. So, and at this point, Sanjuro knows that his family needs this flower. So perhaps before this point, he was discussing with Bushi, like, the two of us should go after the guardian. Mm. The guardian ape together. Oh. Oh. But after this point, because he's like, fuck Bushi now, it's like, I'm going to go in myself. And that's what's going to get him killed. Oh, yeah, I like that. And so then he goes after the ape alone. Mm-hmm. Now how? Now I have a question. How does Bushi learn about this? Maybe Bushi was following Sanjuro the entire time without him noticing. Hmm. Oh, I just learned. I just remembered a piece of lore I knew about Sanjuro. Uh, he has a ring that whistles. Oh. <laughs> oh. I forgot to mention this. This is like something that. Bushi does bring up in the game, and then you later get this item when you defeat the Guardian Ape a second time. Yeah. Bushi does have a ring that when you blow into it, it whistles. So, perhaps... I'm th- I think that 
Bushi and Sanjuro should have a fight, and maybe it should be a physical fight too, but it should be a fight. Yeah. When Sanjuro learns that Bushi has been keeping this information from him. Mm -hmm. And then he goes off to fight the Guardian Ape alone. Right. And then maybe right before he's about to die, he blows into the ring, and and then Bushi is like, wait a minute, what is he doing in the Guardian Ape's lair? And then he goes after him. Right. I like that. And maybe when Sanjuro is fighting Bushi, he loses to Bushi. And so Bushi yeah. can say, like, don't you see that you're not as good as you think you are? And he's still Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's like a total, like, Dark Knight of the Soul moment, too, because he's fully <laughs> given up hope. <laughs> do, do you have to kill the ape in order to, to get the flower? It's a necessary thing. Yeah, the ape will kill you if you try to go for the flower. okay yeah okay yeah that's that i think it was like put there and it's immortal so it's like huge and dangerous and the reason nobody fucks with it or fucks with that flower is because the ape kills everybody who goes after it Mm -hmm. and i imagine in our movie we're not getting the flower no 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 (laughs) so so sandro goes after the ape he loses to the ape. He blows the ring just before the ape eats him. And then Bushi faces the ape. Maybe even using Sanjuro's sword? Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe like, Sanjuro's, like, on the verge of death before Bushi comes in, like, yeah. sl- like puts the sword in his neck and then carries his body off and, like, retreats. I think Sandra Devi still has to die, but like maybe they at least get to have that moment before so. I I kind of like the idea of like a very like emotion filled um battle with the ape. Mm-hmm. Because I, I think we shouldn't see the, the battle with between the ape and Sanjuro. I think maybe mm-hmm. that should be left to our imaginations. And then with the battle we do see is between Bushi and the ape, and this is where Bushi realizes how selfish he's been, and the the like great downfall that he's caused, and this like fills him with rage, and he uh, he blames he blames the ape for taking Sanjuro, and he also blames the Ashina clan, mm-hmm. and so he kills the ape, or he thinks he kills the ape. He leaves the sword in the ape's neck, and then he, because it's not his sword, it's Sanjuro's sword, mm-hmm. right? And then he goes to you know, try and defeat the Ashina clan and all of this, like, you know, all of this killing of the Ashina clan draws Ishin's eye and then Ishin fights him and defeats him. I guess the only, the only thing I would think we would be missing is, um, is why specifically him and, and Ishin or Ishin have the fight that they have. It sounds from the wiki that Ishin, Ashina is someone who hunts the sculptor down but i don't mm-hmm. think we've established what specifically causes this to happen yeah well what if it's like it seems like bushi might have a very like one track mind so maybe he's like all right well the ashina took uh he they took sanjuro from me so i'm gonna just destroy the ashina and what do i need to do to do that well i've got to kill lord ishin ashina mm-hmm so then he like kills some of Ishin's best men and like sends like scouts and stuff back to Ishina like half dead and he like 
like they're all like the 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 orangutan he he's killed all our men and he he wants you to face him yeah and then ishin's like all right motherfucker i'll do it but ishin doesn't get killed in the battle right because he's someone who comes up in the game yeah he doesn't get killed he his arm gets cut off and maybe he's presumed dead but i think his rage is what like keeps him alive his arm gets cut off too uh bushi's arm oh okay yeah no <laughs> Ishii, no yeah i thought you meant a sheet and i was like how many people's arms get cut off in <laughs> <laughs> no uh no Ishin, yeah he survives the battle okay okay because he he's the one who goes on to like establish the ashina like clan mm-hmm. so the would that then be like the climax of the film is like this battle between mm-hmm. Ishin and bushi and bushi loses yeah and yeah. I think Ashin can have like a really dramatic monologue about how Bushi's not fighting for anything. He's the only reason he's fighting is because he hates himself so much. Mm-hmm. And that is not enough to beat Ishin's iron will because Ishin is fighting for his country and he's fighting for his homeland. Doesn't doesn't Bushi like later on make his own like prosthetic arms um, that he can continue being a shinobi? No, uh there's a guy there's a, a a surgeon named Dogen. Yeah. And Dogen is the one who makes the aesthetic for Bushi. Okay. Um, and he, like, you know, perfects it. And, like, Bushi's just kind of a test subject who, like, agrees to, like, you know, perfect the aesthetic but or the prosthetic. But he's not going to, like, go back to being a shinobi. He just does it so this thing can exist. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I was... And, like, maybe this is too much, but mm. I was imagining that he's presumed dead, but so he goes off and he's like, I still want vengeance. Mm-hmm. So he gets his prosthetic arm made, and then he goes to the family of Sanjuro and being like, I was friends with your son. I want to fight with you guys to avenge my friend. Mm. Like, how he'd word it. And then they, like, turn him away, being like, no, like, we don't know you. You're like a lowborn. Like get the fuck out of here. Oh. Like you can't support it. And that's and so like, even like the family like of his lover like rejects him. So he just completely goes like fuck everyone in society. I'm just gonna like stay at home and carve Buddhas like my <laughs> friend taught. Like my lover taught me. But I like think, just cut off the arm. Yeah, I mean, I think that should come pre prosthetic though, because I think he meets this Dogen guy a little later in his life. Okay. Oh, okay. Because. I do like the idea of him, like, going to this family, though. Like, maybe he should go there while his arm is, like, still off, but it's not, like, gushing blood. And he still has his (laughs) sword, and he's like, hey, listen, I'm still alive. I want to fight for for you. And they're all like, what? No. Who are you? I really love the idea of him going to ask for forgiveness and them just completely rejecting him. Yeah, or maybe maybe they blame blame him for their, their son's death. And then that, yeah, that's what drives him into the outskirts of Ashina, where he, like, stays at this dilapidated temple and just carves Buddhas all day. Yeah. I think what, I think that that's, like, a great ending, because I don't yeah. think, I think if we try and go into, like, Dogen and then him yeah. adopting, mm-hmm. or, like, him and hanging out with Emma, yeah, would it would just get too complicated and too long. Yeah, that, that yeah. introduces too many characters in the, like, ending ending act yeah but maybe i think it could end on like a horrifying dream 
Oh yeah, like maybe <laughs> I I like the imagery of like of him like you know dejected sitting in the temple carving the Buddhas, wearing his like tattered robes and just like one arm just carving these Buddhas. Yeah, like he ha he like goes to sleep and he has dreams of fire and stuff, and that's where like his whole new arc for the game starts off. I've had a horrible thought that. The film we've mm -hmm. created sounds a lot like the Joker, but Sekiro version. <laughs> <laughs> no! But we'd never say society once in this movie. <laughs> the word society is not in the script. Wait, how do you how do you mean, though? Like, I, I'm fascinated. How do you mean? I think because the Joker is about this guy who feels rejected by society and mm -hmm. then by the end of it he becomes this really really selfish character that i mean depending on how you watch the movie you can some people see the end of the movie and they still root for him and mm -hmm. i feel like that's kind of the movie that we just described for the sculptor of this guy yeah. who's rejected by society tries to do his own thing and mm -hmm retaliates at the end, kills some people, and then realizes it's, it was all for nothing, and he's gained nothing. Hmm. Well, then maybe we should... Um, maybe we should just, like, strike the whole rejected by society. Maybe it's not that he's low-born and nobody cares for him. Hmm. But maybe it's just because he's, like, very... It's, like, the message is... It's anti-individualism and more about collectivism, you know? Mm-hmm. Like you should care more for, you know, your your neighbors and your community than you should for just yourself. Yeah. So his whole thing is he only cares about himself, <clears throat> and even his love for other people is like tied to himself. True. His love for Zandro does only come because he loves he likes him. Yeah. Yeah. And well, yeah, but but or maybe even like Sandro, like that is a gateway to him changing and getting more into the idea of caring for other people. But because he cares for Sandro, but instead he he acts like how how he always acts, and mm -hmm. he um he acts selfishly, and he tries to keep Sandro's love for himself instead of you know going with him on this journey to help others. But I do kind of like that. Our character of Bushi doesn't really go through any kind of huge uh, change. Yeah. I think it, that's really interesting and not something that's really done. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a fable where yeah. he's presented with... Well, yeah, because it's very much like the, the, the narrative thing where it's like the story is based on your character being presented with a choice. Mm -hmm. And whether or not they choose to act on that choice informs their story. So in this instance, Bushi is presented with the opportunity to help others and, you know, get into that sort of story. And so in choosing not to do that and choosing to act like he's always acted, he kind of seals his fate and everyone else's around him. And that's what, like, pushes him and motivates him through the story. I like what we have a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any loose ends we want to tie up before we get into the recap? We've got, I think, I think we got most of it. 
Is there anything you guys think we should add? I think he should have a dream about the demon of hatred. Just as a callback to the game. Ooh, yeah. What if... That'd be oh. pretty sick. Yeah, maybe like some dream where he's like sitting in the mountains again and he hears the... Uh, the the whistle Ooh. of like Tanjiro, oh, and he goes up. down into the 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 den of the guardian ape. But instead of sitting there, the guardian ape being there, it's like the the demon of hatred. Ooh. Yeah, and and he definitely knows that it's him because it's also missing an arm, but it's also like a big fiery hatred arm. <laughs> a hatred arm. And then he wakes up. Oh yeah, that's it. We don't have to show him going to the temple. Maybe, like, after he gets turned away from the family, it, like, fades to black. And then it shows him, like, you know, sitting in the mountains. And then he hears the whistle, and he goes, and he checks it out, and he sees the demon. And he recognizes himself in the demon, and then all of a sudden there's fire everywhere. And he wakes up, and then he's in the temple. And he Ooh. is surrounded by little Buddha carvings. And, he, and when he wakes up, he gets right to carving a Buddha. I would like that throughout the story like him and Sanjuro are always carving Buddhas and he goes mm -hmm. back to the ones that him and Sanjuro made together in life and in death he starts cutting off the arms of them. Oh, Ooh. okay. Yeah. I like that. Uh-huh. There's a lot of really amazing <laughs> evocative imagery we could do with this. Yeah. It's a very visual game and I think would lend itself to being a very beautiful visual movie i think it would all right so are we ready for a recap then yeah i'm ready yeah i think so a young sanjuro is sent off into the world after learning of a impending political coup that will happen eventually with the uh, ashina clan his family sends him off into the world to become a better fighter and to eventually come back and fight for his country. He is sent off to the Senpu Temple to learn the Senpu martial arts. And along the way, while traveling through the Sunken Valley, he runs into Bushi, a, a very uh, free spirit who lives amongst the mountains and fights with monkeys and drinks monkey booze and lives a very... Um, free life. They spar, and they both realize that both of them are incredible fighters. Sanjuro and Bushi both recognize the potential in each other and decide to train together and develop their own style of fighting. Many years later, the Ashina clan has finally commenced their invasion of Sanjuro's home kingdom. His family sends out letters to try and summon him back home. Meanwhile, Bushi and Sanjuro have been living in the mountains affecting martial arts and become deadly shinobi warrior. Bushi, calling himself the orangutan. Bushi has been in secret intercepting these notes meant for Sanjuro to try and keep him in the valley. Sanjuro wonders to himself if he should return home to his family now that he is a great warrior. Bushi, of course, does not agree to this and tries to uh, convince him to stay in the mountains. The Ashina clan eventually learns of a sacred flower that grows in the sunken valley, guarded by a massive ape. And they send a team of warriors to try and go collect that flower in order to 
give them the edge in this coming invasion. Bushi and Sangjuro accidentally come across this team of warriors, doing battle with them and eventually killing them. Sanjuro finds a note that talks of the Ashina finding this flower, and Sanjuro realizes that the Ashina are invading his homeland. Sanjuro then realizes, oh my god, my family must have been sending me letters to the Senpu Temple. He runs off to the Senpu Temple to attempt and get the letters, when there he realizes that the letters have been are, no, are not at the temple, and one of the temple monks says that a mysterious ape has been intercepting these letters and stealing them from the temple before they could be brought to Sanjuro. Sanjuro then puts two and two together and realizes that Bushi has been intercepting these letters. Sanjuro and Bushi have a fight, physically and verbally, with Sanjuro coming out on top. Sanjuro informs Bushi that he is going to go save his family and leaves him alone. Bushi is defeated and sulks in the mountains, while Sanjuro goes after the flower that is guarded by the Guardian Ape. The battle is deadly, and Sanjuro ends up being slain by the Guardian Ape, but not before blowing his ring whistle, alerting Bushi to his defeat. Bushi then sees Sanjuro being eaten by the Guardian Ape, and jumps in just in time to grab his sword and defeat the ape himself. Bushi is then consumed by rage, and goes to seek his revenge on Lord Ishin Ashina. He sends threats to Ashina and slaughters many of his men, demanding that they have a one-on-one -on -one battle. Bushi is then defeated as his conviction is not as strong as Ashina's, and Ashina severs Bushi's left arm. Bushi then is uh, left for dead, though he makes his escape and seeks out Sanjuro's family. Sanjuro's family rejects him and says that he is the cause of their son's death and the fall of their kingdom. Bushi then limps away, and we are then shown a dream where Bushi is once again in the mountain and has both of his arms. He hears the, the whistle and runs to the guardian ape pole to try and save his friend and lover. But instead of the guardian ape being in the guardian ape's hole, he sees instead this twisted demon with a fiery left arm. Bushi then sees that his left arm is also gone, and suddenly he is surrounded in flames. Bushi then wakes up from the stream, wearing tattered rags, sitting in the dilapidated temple, surrounded by carvings of wrathful Buddha. He begins carving Buddha and the movie fades to black. Can we actually fade to red? <laughs> we'll All right, we'll fade to red, yes. <laughs> I saw that in a movie once, and it was like the coolest shit ever. All right, yeah, totally. We'll fade to red. And that is the Sekiro movie. I appreciate you guys indulging me in one of my favorite video games. Um, all right, well, this has been Game Reel. I have been your host, Cassidy Easton. Uh, I'm Matthew Brennan. I'm Annika Gatormson. Thank you for listening to Game Reel. Uh, we'll see you next week.
Thank you so much for listening to Game Reel. If you have an idea for a movie about a game, send us a pitch. Our email is gamerealcast at gmail.com. That's real with two E's. Our album art was made by the wonderful Brit Sodasjourna. You can find her on Instagram at Brit.sodersjourna. That's B-R-I-T-T dot S-O-D-E-R-S-J-E-R-N-A. Thanks again for listening.